This podcast is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Find out how you can become a member by going to the website letschatpodcast.net. This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, spoilers, and some brief nudity, so parental guidance is suggested. We have such sights to show you. After about five minutes of this movie, you're going to wish you had ten beers. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> la di da, la di da, la la. Yeah. Welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. everyone, The Vern here, Cinema Recall Podcast, recording this intro from my phone, thanks to Anchor. So, we're doing a bonus episode today, it's Labor Day, uh, I don't have my usual wonderful co-host Ashley here because she's on vacation in Iowa and I want to put out some content. So, what I'm doing right now is I'm combining all of the audio drama adaptations that we did for season number 7 and I'm compiling them into one long episode. Uh, for season seven, I had a guest come on and they we talked about a movie that they really love and then we perform a scene from that movie. And it was so cool and I had a whole bunch of fun doing those audio adaptations. So I decided, why not? Let's put them all into one episode. So gonna give a quick shout out right now to all the wonderful cats who have appeared on this audio drama adaptation. So in no special order, uh, we had Josh, from your next favorite movie and we performed a scene from the wolf of wall street we had rob from reels of justice and we performed a scene from jaws uh we had jeanette bickenham from aka jeanette we performed a scene from legally blonde we had kiati of film fluence we performed a scene from clueless uh, Mr. Uh, Jason Soto from Rabbit Hole Podcast. Uh, we perform a scene from Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Uh, Bubble Wheat from It's Time to Rewind and Lyrical Innuendo. We perform a scene from Groundhog Day. And Jim of the Film Rage Podcast. We perform a scene from Dawn of the Dead. Uh, big shout out right now to Curtis from the Half Hour Bros Podcast. Me and him did have a scene from Catch Me If You Can, but I can't seem to find the audio of that. And besides, it's just one line, so I didn't think it really mattered to skip it. But please, go to Season 7 at cinemarecall.net and you'll find all those old episodes. That was a hell of a lot of fun. And so yes, definitely check that out. Uh, at the end of the episode, I would give a shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters. If you ever do want to support us, patreon.com slash cinemarecallpods is a great way to do it. Uh, you can go and buy us a coffee at, I believe it's buy me a coffee uh, slash cinema recall and give us some suggestions. Have us watch a movie. Uh, tell us to do anything. Give you a shout. Whatever belt you want to give, we will basically do that because we we are whores. Uh, yes, somewhat whores. What of a whores. Uh, yes, but love you all very much here and I promise on the following episode I would give praise and shout outs to people who have shared our past episodes but I'm going to wait till we're back in the actual studio with Ashley and I'm back at the Conduit Sun Studio so I don't want to dabble on anymore I dabble on a lot enough but let's get on to the episode and all of you have a great day much love and appreciation and hope you guys take care of yourself much love goodbye 
How would you describe Just Enough Trope? We are the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mikan Hana. Oh no, does this mean they can hear all the things I yell at the TV during Downton Abbey? Why did you do that? <laughs> How do you plead? Let the game begin. Yeah, check these fresh moves. Oh! Don't shoot man in face. This isn't the Save Gotham fundraiser. It's the Chill Family Reunion. Master Yoda assigned a Padawan to this bold Jedi. I think it's pronounced Padawan. Oh, Padawan, excuse me. Hey, it's getting late. I think Ralph's going to want his motorcycle back. Uh, go check out the pictures of Dean Gray. I am freaking getting old. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the life clock was blinking in your hand. Get out of here, Wilson. Go fight the Teen Titans or something. I'm unkillable, not unwoundable. You like Sailor Moon, right? Why don't you sail on this oh, Wow. Just enough trope. News, reviews, and geek fondue. Every Monday on the Just Enough Trope Podcast Network. Loving me, never have a say. You so be sorry. What? Hello, The Vern, once again, everyone. Thank you for listening to Cinema Recall Podcast. I want to talk a little bit briefly about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio app for your iOS and Android phone. And this is kind of a cool thing because what it does is it picks the most trending topics and articles and reads them to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable. Stop scrolling, start listening. Go to www.newsly.me and download the app. And for special price here, folks, if you use the promo code RECALL, you will get one month free of their premium subscription. Again, www.newsly.me. Use the promo code RECALL and get one month free. Enjoy your time, everyone. Goodbye. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to the Cinema Recall Players Presents Clueless. From the script by Amy Heckerlin, our guest, Tiati, will be taking the role of Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone in the movie, and I, the Vern, will be taking the role of Ty, played by the late, great Brittany Murphy in the movie. I, I gotta tell you something. I am so sorry about your test and all, and I'm glad you're here. There's something I gotta do, and I need someone here when I do it. Uh, does this thing work? Uh, yeah, sure. What is this stuff? This is a bunch of stuff that reminded me of Elden, but I want to burn it because I'm so over him. What stuff? Okay, do you remember when we were at the fawn party and the clock knocked me out and Ellen got me a towel and I used to cure me? Yeah? Well, I didn't tell you at the time, but I took the towel home as a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding! No! And do you remember that song that was playing when we danced? 
know. You know, rolling with the homies. Oh. Uh, anyway, I did the tape and listened to it every single night. Don't burn that. Um, Ty, I'm really happy for you, but what brought on the surge of empowerment? It's like I met this guy who is, like, totally amazing. He makes Elden look like a loser. That is so great. Yeah. <laughs> look, you have to help me to Josh. Get Josh what? You know what I mean. I like him. Do you think he likes you? Yeah. How do you know? Like, little things, you know? You find some way to touch me or tickle me. Oh, do you remember that time at the frat when I was, like, totally depressed and he asked me to dance with him? He was really flirty. Uh, are, are you okay? Yeah, um, no, no, um... I had two mocha cappuccinos. I feel like Ralphing. I know exactly how that feels. Like, the other day, I was talking to Josh, and we were talking the differences between high school girls and college girls. You see, college girls were less makeup on the face, and that's why guys like them more. But Ty, do you really think you'd be good with Josh? I mean, he's like a school nerd. What? A am I some mentally challenged airhead? No, not even. I didn't say that. What, I'm not good enough for Josh or something? I... I... I just don't think you mesh well together. You, you don't think that we mesh well? Why am I even listening to you anyways? You're a virgin who can't drive. That was way harsh, Ty. Look, I I'm sorry. Uh, let's talk when we meld, alright? I'm outie. Alright, scene. <laughs> oh my god, my that, terrible American. That was accent. amazing. Oh. That was good. I love doing that though. I haven't done something like that in a while because I love acting and I haven't done acting in a long time. So that was fun. Alright, everyone. Welcome to Cinema Recall Players presents Dawn of the Dead. This time, I am going to be playing the narrator and the priest, and Jim here is going to be playing the parts of Peter and Roger. Okay, hold on. Get myself all lubricated up here. Oh yeah, let's get lubed, baby. Uh, mm. <laughs> all right. stare. It is very quiet. Roger bursts through a metal door from one of the halls and falls against the stair railing. He is wretched. He breathes heavily to contain himself. <coughs> he removes his mask and coughs slightly from the gas mist, which still clings to the air. You're not alone, brother. Roger, 
Titan, grabbing for his gun. The voice is present very nearby. Rigel looks up. Sitting on the stairs above him is the trooper who shot Worley. His rifle is aimed at Roger. You was in Worley's unit. I didn't see nothing. I didn't see how he died. Roger slings his rifle so the trooper relaxes and lowers his gun. He removes his gas mask. You running? Peter shrugs. He hasn't decided. I, I, I just don't mean because of Wooly. I, I just mean because of... Yeah, I know. There's a, a lot of people running. I could run. Roger stares up at the grim-faced man. I could run tonight. Peter just stares levelly into Roger's eyes. A friend of mine's got a helicopter. He does traffic for JAS. Got a helicopter, and he's running out with it. Ask me to come. Peter smiles. You think it's right to run? Peter shrugs again. Then he stands and walks down the stairs. He turns past Roger on the landing and continues down into the lingering gas mist. Roger follows. A few landings down, a noise. The two troopers freeze. The stairwell is dark. The noise grows louder. The troopers raided their weapons. The sounds are little screeping thumps, like the weary footfalls of someone, something, trying to negotiate the stairs. There's a low, wheezing sound of labored breath. <sighs> the two men stare at the landing below. Peter steps forward slightly, trying not to make a sound. Suddenly, a figure pops out of the darkness. It falls against the wall below. Both troopers raise their guns. The figure pulls away from the wall. In the mist, its shape is ghostly, robed in black. It sees the troopers. Please, let me pass. The voice weakens into a low, recent cough. <coughs> the figure slumps and sits on the stairs, clinging to the railing. It is an old priest, obviously from a local parish. Roger stoops next to the old man, who is struggling to keep his breath. He is weary. He seems to be near death. He clutches at his chest. Roger tries to support him. Let's get him to the meds. No, no, please, just <coughs> let me pass. My sister, I go up to 7th floor to find my sister. They're taking everybody down. They probably brought her down. Come one. <coughs> my sister, she's dead. They tell me the dead, they do not bring down. Roger and Peter shoot glances at one another. Please, just let me pass. Martinez is dead. The people of 107 will do what you wish now. These simple people, but strong. They have little, but they do not give it up easily. And they give up their dead to no one. <coughs> Many have died on these streets in the last week. In the basement of this building, you'll find them. The troopers are shot. The priest struggles to his feet. I have given them their last rites. Now, you do what you will. The old man starts up the stairs. Roger moves to help him, but Peter stops him. The priest weaves up through the gas mist coffin. <coughs> You are stronger than us, but soon I think they be stronger than you. 
The old man's voice shows up off the stairwells as he disappears in the cloud. When the dead walk, my friends, we must stop the killing or we lose the war. Okay, and see, that was the best that I could do with the... You did awesome, buddy. For, like, doing that for the first time right there. Ah, goddammit. That awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you probably those two there, you know, I want to, like, you know, remove person who says, he discovered was a black yeah. man and went there because yeah. we're just two white dudes just talking about this film. We love the movie. And yeah. I have got no qualms. Uh, I know for our mates of Living Dead, I had a white guy uh, uh, play um, the, the character from the first movie. Ben. And ben, Played thank ben. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we... Yeah, there was... I get it. I get it. It's one of those things. The same things with uh, the comment about the... Uh, it seems like because the because the apartment house was a lot of Puerto Ricans, right? Yep. So I know there was a comment around that too. It's it's funny how, especially in a readback, it doesn't really matter yeah. when people see the movie, they're going to know. And it's it's interesting when you think of the history of this movie and go back even tonight uh, around the commentary that that you know Romero slyly would always say he didn't cast a black man to be counter to subculture at the time but you know he's got to have thought that through he's got yeah. you know right all right everyone we're back with cinema recall podcast players presents uh we're actually now at out a scene from legally blonde and i got my notes right here on whose roles people are taken. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the role of L. Woods, uh, D.A. Joyce Rafferty, and the judge is the one and only Jeanette Miller Mittenham. Woohoo! Yay! Clap, 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 applause. And then I, the Vern, I'm going to uh-huh. take the roles of Chutney, Emmett, Brooke. And Gerard, and I'm going to do my best to do different type of voices with this. <laughs> yeah, this is be, me too. This is going to be... Okay, so I'm just pulling up my script right now. All right, uh, are you ready? I am ready. And I'm going to just call it action in three, two, one, okay? All right. Lights. Camera. Action. Miss Wyndham, when you arrived back at the house, was your father there? Uh, not that I saw, but like I said, I went straight upstairs to take a shower. And when you came downstairs, what happened? I saw Brooke standing over his body, drenched in his blood. But Mrs. Wyndham didn't have a gun. No, she stashed it by then. Uh... Move straight that from the record, Your Honor. Speculation. Stricken. Did you hear a shot fired? No. I was in the shower. So, at some point in the 20 minutes you were in the shower, your father was shot? I, I guess. So your father was shot while you were in the shower? What's going on here with this? Have a little faith. But you didn't hear the shot. Because you were in the shower. 
Yes, I was washing my hair. Hmm. Um, Miss Wyndham, can you tell us what you'd been doing earlier in the day? I got up, went to Starbucks, went to the gym, got a perm, and came home. Where you got in the shower. Yes. I believe the witness has made it clear that she was in the shower. Oh, yes, Your Honor. Um, have you ever gotten a perm before, Miss Wyndham? Yes. How many, would you say? Two a year since I was 12. You do the math. You know, a girl in my sorority, Tracy Marcinko, she got a perm once. Even though we all told her not to, curls really weren't the right look for her. She didn't have your bone structure. But thankfully, that same day, she entered the pie cap wet t-shirt contest where she was completely hosed down from head to toe. Objection! Why is this relevant? I have a point, I promise. Then make it. Chutney, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Uh, because they got wet? That's right. Because isn't the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you are forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thigocolite? Yes. And wouldn't someone who's had, oh, 30 perms throughout her lifetime be well aware of this rule? And if you, in fact, were not washing your hair, as I suspect you were not, since your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if you, in fact, heard the gunshot, then Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had the time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story sound plausible. Isn't that right? She's younger than I am. Did she tell you that? How would you feel if your father married someone younger than you? You, however, had time to hide the gun, didn't you, Chutney? After you shot your father. I, I, I didn't mean to shoot him. I meant to shoot you. <gasps> I knew it. Oh, my God. And scene. Yes. You were amazing. I, however, was not, but you, you were, were awesome epic. Too. You were epic. You were awesome, Miss Chutney. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun little – I never actually had to do – I never did like a courtroom scene before. I hope we get more of those because those are, like, a lot of fun to do. Yeah. yeah so I'm hoping our listeners will pick other great courtroom scenes – I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole freaking system's out of order. That type of, yeah. <laughs> you can't handle that, Drew. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun putting that together. So yes. Uh, yeah. So there it was, folks. That was our scene from Legally Blonde, the big courtroom sequence there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeanette, any other like um, closing thoughts about Legally Blonde before we close up this episode? Um, it's just such a fun movie. I think it's really empowering for for women. And, uh, you know, I, I totally wanted to change my hair to blonde after that. I, I wanted to fully embody 
blondness and um, being ultra feminine. I think you can be a strong feminine woman. And I, I think that the film really embodied that you can be gorgeous and, um, and feminine and smart and, still want all the frilly things, but, you know, also be hardcore and in, in a courtroom or, you know, just in life or in business. And so I think it, you know, it's a, it's a great embodiment of, of femininity and, or just being, being a woman. So I, I think it's a great female driven film. So. I'm glad you mentioned something about that too, because Legally Blonde is definitely a feminist movie. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And I apologize. You might hear a cat in the background meowing. Cat was attention, and I'll get to him later. Uh, but, yeah, and I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch any of the sequels? I did. Red, White, and Blonde, not my favorite. Yeah. I, I think I think Lily, Legally Blonde is is the better as a standalone mm-hmm. film. I didn't, I didn't really need to have Elle Woods go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. I really um, thought that was a very it, it weak. Just, it really wasn't necessary. It wasn't terrible. It, was, it just wasn't necessary. I agree. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible, but just doesn't. It wasn't needed because where mm-hmm. can you go with that character? The character had a great arc in the movie mm-hmm. itself, and you just ended it yeah. with that. You don't really need. Yeah. It just seemed like I was watching a pilot of a legally blonde. TV series that was going to happen, and it just... Yeah! Rob, are you a professional actor? No. Okay. I, myself, am not a professional actor. We are non-professional actors here, folks, but it is time for us to actually act and <laughs> be great thespians all right are you ready for this i, I are thespians only on stage or I can you know. be a screen thespian i think you could be a i think you can be a screen thespian so right. we are now going to do a scene from jaws based on the book by peter benchley uh screenplay by carl Gobletil. i'm gonna I'm going to mispronounce your last name, and Peter Benchley, uh, film directed by Steven Spielberg, as the role of Quint is our And guest. I would like to point out that a lot of the Indianapolis speech was rewritten by Robert Shaw himself. Oh, shit. Well, damn. Well, anyways, as the uh, role of Quint is Rob Maynard from the Rules of Justice podcast, and as the voice of Hooper... And Brody is me, the Vern. Chief, don't you worry about it, Chief. It won't be permanent. 
You want to see something permanent? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> hey, Hoop. You want to feel something permanent? Just put your head underneath my cap. You feel that lump? Not going Nolan. St. Patty's Day, Boston. I, I got that beat. I got that beat. That's Muddy Eel. Fit right through my wetsuit. Oh, now listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in an Oki bar in San Francisco. I can't extend that. You know why? I was in the semifinal celebrating my third wife's demise. Big Chinese fella, he pulled me right over. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. It was a bull shark. He scraped me when I was taking samples. I got something for you. There, there's a thresher. See that, Chief? Thresher's tail. Thresher? It's a shark. You want a drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay, we drink to our leg. <laughs> I got the creme de la creme. Right here. See that? You were in a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> What's that one? The the one up on your arm. Oh, that's a tattoo. I got that removed. Don't don't tell me. Don't tell me. Mother. <laughs> what is it? Ooper, that's the UN USS Indianapolis. Y you were on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into her side, Chief. We was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lely. We just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Eleven hundred men went into the water. The vessel went down in twelve minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about a half hour. Tiger, thirteen-footer. You know how you know that in the water, Chief? You can tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. What we didn't know was that our bomb mission was so secret, no distress signal had been sent. Didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. It was sort of like you see in the calendars, you know, the infantry squares and the old calendars like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was that shark come to the nearest man that man he starts pounding and hollering and sometimes that shark he go away sometimes he wouldn't go away sometimes that shark looks it right at you right into your eyes the thing about a shark is he's got lifeless eyes black eyes like a doll's eyes when it comes to you he doesn't even seem to be living until he bites you those black eyes roll over wide and then <laughs> and you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming the ocean turns red and despite all your pounding and your hollering those sharks come in and they rip you to pieces you know by the end of that first dawn lost a hundred men I don't know how many sharks there were maybe a thousand I do know how many men they averaged six an hour Thursday morning, Chief. 
I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland, baseball player, bosom's mate. Thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. He bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top, upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. At noon on the fifth day, uh, Lockheed Ventura swung in low and he spotted us. A young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper here. Anyway, he spotted us and a few hours later, a big old fat PBY come down and started to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. Yeah. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So 1,100 men went into the water, 316 men come out, the sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. What's that? It's a whale. Sound like a dog. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish lady. Farewell and adieu to you, ladies of Spain. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it went right to my head. Wherever I may roam, through land or sea or foam, you can always hear me singing that song. Show me the way to go home. Boom, boom, boom. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Had a little drink about an hour ago and it went straight to my head. Wherever I may roam, through land or sea or foam, you can hear me singing doing the song. Show me the way to go home. Start the engines. And scene. Right. <laughs> oh, I love that speech, though. That you did an amazing job with that. Oh, so it's just a well-written speech, but yeah, you, you need the music. You yes. Know, you gotta have that tension is so good. But anyone who hasn't seen the scene should just watch the movie. Yes, they should. But if you can't yes. watch the movie. Go watch the scene. <laughs> but I, I, I thank you for doing that with me so much here. That was, that was a lot of fun. You you no, definitely had fun. the voice of Frank down. <clears throat> I had to get some water there though. I was dying. <laughs> do you have some more like uh, like a pack of cigarettes before you could do that scene? <laughs> I don't know if he. I guess he probably did smoke. I'm not sure if you ever see him smoke in the movie. I can't think, recall. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but yeah, you definitely had the. Spe- I, I felt like I was watching the scene, and I think one other thing too, because he was delivering a bomb for Hiroshima, and at the end, of this, after all his friends have died, he says, "Well." We deliver the bomb. And there's something, like, pretty sweet about it, Sid. Well, I mean, that's ambiguous. It's like, well, we did the right thing, but we lost a lot of men doing it. Um, You know, so when he says, you know, well, we delivered the bomb, you know, was that, you know, uh, it was all worth it? Or, uh, you know, or, you know, how how, how does he feel about it? Yeah. Was it worth doing that right there? I mean, did it make it... uh... Yeah, because I'm sure he probably has some feelings about having 
Hiroshima attack. Like, oh, we did all this stuff here for the greater good, and I lost a lot of my good friends having this happen. And I'm sure he has, as much as he hates sharks, I'm pretty sure he has a hatred of the bomb itself. Because if it wasn't for the bomb, he wouldn't have to deliver the stuff out there and lose his friends. And yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, <clears throat> that torpedo could have struck them for any number of reasons, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's true. Um, so it's like if if you're if you're gonna, you know, get struck and and sink, um, you know, doing on the mission that basically ended the war, you you know that that might have been the sacrifice play. So I, I I I don't know how Quint felt about it. Um, you know, obviously he got the tattoo removed. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Vern again. So one thing I hate the most about watching movies is when I go to watch a movie or show on my favorite streaming site and seeing that the movie or show I want is only available in another country. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do right now. You go to ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash pod and get three months free of their services. Uh, ExpressVPN will give you access to view other movies and shows from other countries. So find out what Netflix is like in the UK. Find out what Hulu is like in the Netherlands. Again, expressvpn.com slash pod and get three months free of the services. I hope you enjoy and happy movie watching, everyone. Good night. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And, oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this minutiae here. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut I wonder who the guy that can watch. God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the credits. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Cinema Recall Podcast. My guest, Josh G. From the amazing podcast, your next favorite movie, and we are now about to partake in us <laughs> acting. All right, we are not professionals. Maybe not Josh, at all. Maybe Josh's. I don't know. I don't know what he does for a living. Maybe he's a professional actor on the side. Who knows? Uh, but I myself am not a professional actor. But here we go. We are going to be doing the Quaalude scene from The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, based on the book. From Jordan Belford, screenplay by Terrence Winter, uh, director Martin Scorsese. Before I begin this, I should let you know that uh, as a part of Jordan Belfort is Josh G. And as the voice of Donnie and basically every other character, it's me, the Vern. Giddy as kids on Christmas, Jordan and Donnie sit on the couch, 
the bottles of lemon before them. Start with one, see how it goes. My guy says one's all we'll need. Salute. It's stated they pop a lewd. Thirty minutes later. You feel anything? Nope. <sighs> Maybe we've built up a tolerance after all these years. They pop another, watch down with Saki. Another 30 minutes go by. Jordan's running on the treadmill. Donnie pumps away on an exercise bike nearby. This is bullshit, man. My fucking metabolism's pumping, and I don't feel shit. <sighs> They're old. Maybe they lost their potency. Donnie leans over, picks up the bottles, reads the label. January 81? They're fucking duds. He shakes up more pills, two more apiece, as he pops them. A very pregnant Naomi descends down the stairs. What are you two retards doing? Nothing. Working out. Bo Dale is on the phone. Nomi heads upstairs. Jordan picks up the phone. Bo, hey, what's up? I need to talk to you, but not on this phone. Why? What's... Leave the house. Call me back from a payphone, you hear me? The Brooksville County Club was a wasp stronghold, a straight shot down the road from my house. Jordan? Yeah, I'm at a payphone. What's going on? Your buddy Brad's in jail. Oh, Jesus Christ. What did he do? I don't know yet. They arrested him in a shopping mall in Long Island this morning. But listen to me, more important than that... The guy Denim I told you about, the Fed, he's got your phones tapped. I'm pretty sure home and office. Donnie, that piece of shit, I'm gonna kill him. That fat prick motherfucker. But listen to me. Do me a favor. Please do not talk on the phone. Fuck! Did you try to bribe this fucking guy? What? No, I didn't try to bribe anybody. Jordan, I, I couldn't understand. Say that again? Are you fucking high? After 15 years in stores, the lemons had developed a delayed fuse. It took 90 minutes for the little fuckers to kick in, but once they did, pow! I had skipped the tingle phase and went straight to the drool phase. Actually, I discovered a new phase. The cerebral palsy phase. Jordan! Jordan! Do not get behind the wheel! Just tell me where you are, I'll send Rocco. Come on, stand up. He rolls on to all fours, lifts a head, topples over. Okay, walking is off the list of options. Alright, what else is there? I can crawl, like Skyler. Slowly, Joy begins crawling like an infant to the top of the staircase. The Lamborghini is parked at the bottom. Twenty steps down, he starts to crawl down the stairs, stops, tries again, can't figure out how to do it. Fuck! The kid makes it look so easy. Think, you motherfucker, think! Wait, I've got it. Jordan slowly curls himself into a ball. I can roll! Forcing himself over the edge, Jordan begins to descend the steps. He lands with a crash on the asphalt, drapes himself up into the Lamborghini. Hello? Oh my god! Jordan, where are you? What's the matter? It's Donnie. 
He's totally out of control. He's on the other line with some Swiss guy. What? No! I can't understand you. Just get home. Hurry. They say God protects drunks and babies. I was praying the same held true for drug addicts. I was less than a mile from home and drove slower than shit. Somehow I made it alive. Not a scratch on me or the car. Where's Zani? In the kitchen! Phone to his ear, and at least as stone as Jordan, Donnie stands at the counter. The money! I was the movers to Switzerland! Uh, what late was all you speaking, Mr. Azoff? With Naomi looking on, Jordan staggers towards Donnie, like a jointed Frankenstein. With all the strength he can muster, Jordan rips the phone from the wall. What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck is wrong with you? I was one too. Jordan grabs him. What's the matter? Was you crazy? Zivon! You're not supposed to talk on Zivon! What? You're not supposed to talk on Zivon! What's the hazard today with you? What? What's that in the? What? Jordan releases Donnie. Donnie crawls into the dining room and starts shoving ham into his mouth in an effort to sober up. Oh my god, he's choking! Jordan, do something! Jordan goes to get his coke. He snarks up two fat spoonfuls. He's not breathing! Jordan places fingers over Donnie's arteries. Nothing. Save him! Jordan kneels, starts furiously pummeling in Donnie's chest, breathing air into his lung, and rhythmic bursts. This stupid son of a bitch. All Donnie ever did was fuck me up, and now I have to save his life because I took a CPR class when the baby was learning to swim. Just for the record, I want it noted. Not for a second did I even think about letting him choke to death, even though it would have saved me an awful lot of headaches. <coughs> Donnie still isn't breathing. Jordan flips him over, tries to Heimlich, we are crunched as he breaks Donnie's ribs. He flips him back over, but he's almost completely blue. He won't come back! D don't let him die! He has children! One last try, Jordan takes a massive breath, Blowing as hard as he can into Donnie's lungs, Donnie's stomach distends like a balloon. Then suddenly, a chunk of ham projects from his mouth and into Jordan's face. <laughs> Donnie coughs, vomiting, and as he starts breathing again, Jordan exits and passes out on the living room couch. And scene! And scene, hey! Very nicely done for, you know, your first time doing this. Yeah, I've never show. done. Yeah, I've never done any kind of voice acting. <laughs> but you I needed my whole co-host for this. <laughs> and we didn't practice, folks. We did not practice this at all. We came no, this thing no. <laughs> blind. 
and that's what's going to be. So uh, how did you feel about doing that? Did you have fun? I mean, it was fun. I don't think it was good, but it was fun. Okay, good. Because <laughs> that's what this going to be. This whole season is about people having fun, trying their acting chops right there. Uh, you did excellent. I thought your Jordan Belfort was really good. Even your drunk or your quaalude Jordan Belfort was excellent. <laughs> All right, we're here. We're ready to act. Um, our good friend Bubble Wheat is going to take over the role of Ned Ryerson. I, the Vern, am going to play the role of Phil Connors, and I will do some of their narration. So here we go. Now, we did not practice this beforehand because we don't need to, <laughs> because both uh, Bubble Wheat and I are professional actors. Isn't that right? Yeah. You studied acting. What's that? Consummate professionals. That's right, consummate professionals. There are a lot of people on the streets for this hour. Traffic is so heavy, in fact, the pedestrians are moving faster than the cars. Everyone seems to be going to the same direction, making the annual trek to see the groundhog. An old bum is sitting on the sidewalk, leaning against the storefront. Someone throws him a coin. Phil walks by him without taking any notice. Phil? A big pie-faced man. Ned Ryerson comes huffing and puffing right up to him. There's something about this guy that makes us dislike him on sight. Phil? Phil Connors! I thought that was you. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Thanks for watching. My oh my, Phil Connors! Don't say you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Ned? Ryerson! Needlenose Ned? Ned the Head? Come on, buddy. Case Western High? Ned Ryerson did the whistling belly button trick in talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Ned Ryerson went out with your sister and Mary Pat a couple of times until he told me not to anymore. Bing! Ned Ryerson? Bing! So, what are you doing with yourself, Ned? I sell insurance. No kidding. Do you have life insurance, Bill? Because if you do, I bet you could use a little more. Who couldn't? I got a feeling you don't have any. Am I right or am I right? Am I right? Right, 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 right? You know, Ned, I love to talk to you, but I really have to... That's okay. I'll walk with you. When I see an opportunity, I charge it like a bull. Ned the bull. That's me now. Some of my friends live and die by the actuarial tables, but I think it's all just a crapshoot anywho. Ever hear of single premium life? That could be the ticket for you, buddy. God, it is so good to see you. Hey, what are you doing for dinner? Dinner? Sorry, I'm in the middle of a nine-day fast. As I continue walking, Phil steps into what looks like a shallow puddle and ends up ankle-deep in wet slush. Hey, 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 look out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> and scene. Whoa, man, brilliant. Brilliant job on both our parts, man. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. See, yes. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that very much there. Um, yeah, just a very iconic, fun scene. I'm grateful to have you do that with me right there. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't see. We just, but we just did a whole series of Groundhog Day. So if you definitely want to hear more detail about Groundhog Day, especially my moments in this in the movie. Can we talk about all the time that Phil Connors tries to kill himself? That was a pretty fun episode. 
I gotta say. <laughs> that was yeah, fun. You wouldn't you wouldn't think so based on the uh the content, but you know, Groundhog's Day make it fun and so did we. Yes, that is true. So if you definitely want to get more details and more behind the scenes facts about the movie, about the making of them, because I could tell you all these things right now, but you should really listen to It's Time to Rewind, Bubbleweed's new podcast found everywhere that podcasts are available. <laughs> this is the moment of the show where I actually have us at out a scene from this movie. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play a trailer of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to get into our dramatization of this. Okay. They thought the nightmare was dead. And buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 1st at a theater near you. Hello. This is now the serious portion of the show. This is where Jason Soto and myself, The Vern, put on our acting chops. Alright. We are very serious lesbians. No, thespians. <laughs> Sorry the serious about that. portion. The serious portion the of the serious show. The serious portion of the show where we at our Alright. So <clears throat> we're going to be doing the beginning scene of Friday the thirteenth, part six, Jason Lives. Jason Soto is taking over the role of Tommy Jarvis, and I'm taking over the role of his friend Hawks. And I'll Hawks. be doing some of the narration as well, alright? On a very dark and stormy night, we see a pickup truck move its way swiftly across the roads. Inside the truck is two young men. One of them is holding fiercely on to the infamous Jason Mask. I don't know how the hell you talked me into this shit, Jarvis. Hell, I must be crazy. If the old institution ever found out about this boy, they'd throw our bus back at Straightjacket. Permanent. He didn't have to come, Hawks. This is between me and Jason. Yeah, I know. But I still don't get the therapy here. Jason's dead, right? How will seeing his corpse stop your hallucinations? Seeing it won't. But destroying him once and for all will. Jason belongs in hell. I'm gonna see he gets there. The pickup truck plows through the storm as rains fall down harder and harder. Tommy is holding on to the mask tighter and tighter. The car reaches the gravesite, and the two young men get out. Hey, where are you going? Without a word, 
He jumps over to the rusty fence. He grabs my spear like post and pulls it out. What's that for, Tommy? What are you doing, boy? Tommy Jarvis jumps down to the grave site of Jason Voorhees and stands there holding the spear. He thinks for a moment of all the friends and families he lost to this madman. You bastard! Tommy opens the casket and sees Jason's deformed, rotten corpse. He raises the sphere above his head and plunges it into his body. Oh shit! Tommy withdraws it and then angrily rams it down again and again. Over the boy's shoulder, we see the lawn spear extending out of Jason's cold heart. Recovering from his tantrum, Tommy climbs out of the grave. Hawk stares open mouth at his friend. Boy, he must have really messed you over. Tommy reaches down and picks up Jason's hockey mask and stares at it. Yeah, fuck you, Jason. Tommy, knowing the nightmare is finally over, tosses the mask into the grave. Without warning, this guy explodes with a mask of lightning. One of the bolts of electricity is drawn to the spear as a lightning rod. Sparks fly as the spear is struck electrified. Tommy and Hawks die for cover. Jason's decomposed eyelids flash open. Uncover their hands, they look ahead in fear. Quickly, Tommy gets to his feet and goes for the troublesome spear. The unintended lightning rod is still smoking a little from the blast. He touches it. It's hot. He pulls out a pair of gloves from his jacket. Put them on. He then attempts to remove the sphere. Let's get the hell out of here. My heart can't take any more of this. Jason's wicked eye glare at Tommy. He finally gets the spear out and throws it up onto the grass. Slowly, he removes his glove and tosses them to Hawks. He starts to climb out. Jason sprints up from behind and grabs him. Ah! Hawks goes crazy with hysteria. He starts to run. Tommy fights for his life as Jason tries to pull him down into the grave. He manages to kick Jason back down long enough to climb out. Tommy scrambles for the gas can as the storm clouds detonate above. He gets it open, turns around, and starts throwing it on the rising corpse of Jason. The gas splashes all over him as he keeps coming. He backs up as Jason stops him, knowing there's enough gas now in the Predator. He drops the can. Jason comes in closer. Panicking, he searches his pocket for matches. Tommy finds them. Jason stops as the rain drenches him. Magus start to wash off him as he stare at his helpless victim. Tommy tries desperately to light a match in the pouring rain. Struggling with a soaked matchbook, Jason starts to close in. Suddenly, Hawks emerges from behind, holding up a shovel. He hollers as he swings it. Ah! He whacks the back of Jason's head as hard as he can. It doesn't even phase the undead super killer. Jason whips around to Hawks. He lunges forcefully at Hawks' chest. Jason's hands, flesh and Hawks' heart, burst out of Hawks' back. Hawks' body falls onto Jason's grave. As Hawks lands in the coffin, the lid 
shuts over him. Seeing his victim escaping, Jason whips around and looks for a weapon. He goes for the the furious fear. Something in the grave catches his attention. Tommy races out of the cemetery to his pickup. He jumps into the truck and takes off in the rain. With his back to us, Jason duns his beloved hockey mask and picks up the spear. We press and tighten him as he turns around to face us. And the Talsi begins. Jason lives. <laughs> okay, so when I picked this, I swear Tommy had more lines. And I'm realizing now, I think this was the first draft. Okay. So I apologize. <laughs> this was a little weird. <laughs> I just really like this opening scene where he brings Jason to life. And again, I, I've mentioned this before. The guy that plays Hawks is the guy who played uh, Horseshack on Welcome Back, Cotter. So you have to picture Horseshack in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Fair one of enough. my favorite scenes, and this script didn't do it justice. But well, I I probably didn't do it much justice either with my own different interpretation of it either. But it's it's oh yeah, I'm sorry. I should have picked a different scene or something. I apologize. No, this was a little weird. That's okay. <laughs> that is okay. You know, I, I have will, fun with it though. I will definitely you know made this work into a, a short little thing there. Uh, a lot of my uh, narration I said, I'm probably going to remove a little bit of that, and I'll add in like sound effects and whatnot there it'll be fun it'll be fun it's friday the 13th uh i will say this though too about the series because i have seen a lot of the ones in the series the only ones i'm kind of missing right now is uh part eight okay part eight uh which is jason takes manhattan takes manhattan takes his time getting to manhattan (laughs) 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 i hear that okay i need to explain so I did uh I did a podcast about Friday the 13th with my friend Rachel and we covered every movie uh because she never seen any of them. Yep. And I wanted to get a fresh look, you know, at sure. it so I I made her I I basically forced her to watch all the Friday the 13th movies. And when we got to part 8, we called it Jason takes his time getting to Manhattan. Because yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert, he doesn't get to Manhattan until like the last like 15 minutes of the movie. So 15? Yeah, yeah, sorry to wow. spoil that for you, but it's yeah, it's a thing. When you watch the movie, just yeah, I still say watch it. It's also not my favorite because most of it's on boats, right? There's some yeah, yeah. It's it's on the boat going to Manhattan. So Jason takes a cruise. Jason, that was the alternate. That should have been the alternate <laughs> title. Jason takes a cruise. Yes. After these messages, we'll be right back. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why. This, this, voice this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't awesome. agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just suck. Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage.
Thank you once again for listening to our audio adaptations of famous movies. Uh, all the voice actors were really great. And I do hope you check out their podcast shows as well because they're all just wonderful people and they're great hosts and just good friends of mine. Love them dearly. Uh, before I leave, I need to give a quick shout out to all of our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Again, patreon.com slash pod. You get episodes in advance. You are going to get some bonus content um, and other things too. So no special order. I want to thank right now Miss Jeanette Bickenham from AKA Jeanette. Thank you very much, Jeanette. Uh, Mr. Jason Soto of Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thank you very much, Jason. Chris Revel of Let's Chat with Chris Revel. Thank you very much, Chris. Donnie Roberts, formerly of Cage's Kiss, and he wrote the Deep Sea Anthology. Thank you very much, Donnie. Linda Castro from Bed Knobs and Broomfoot. Thank you very much, Linda. Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Thank you very much, Matt and Ashley. And last, Harvey Andrus from the band that me and Ashley are in, your ex-girlfriend. Thank you very much, Harvey. Uh, if you do want to become a Patreon subscriber, uh, it's $5 a month. And it's at uh, patreon.com slash pod. You can also support us by buying us a coffee, by the coffee.com, uh, Recall. All the links are, are on our website, cinemarecall.net. Uh, yeah, that is it. So we're to those people with great shout here. Love you all dearly, and we will be back next time. Bye-bye. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.